G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Keeper League podcast. We're the AFL fantasy podcast that doesn't talk about the superstars. We only talk about the lesser knowns and ones that are going to bring value to your Keeper League teams. My name's Hef and I'm not joined by my usual co-host Kays because he's uh, decided to go on his honeymoon in the footy season, which is a, is a questionable tactic, but uh, I think it might pay off because he might be in the good books for a while to come. So uh, anyways, I'm joined by uh, none other than uh, Doss and Louis from the Point of Difference podcast, hashtag PodPod. How you going, boys? Yeah, g'day, Hef. Thanks for having us, uh, Louis. Yeah, cheers, Hef. Good to see you, mate. No, no problems. Thank you for saving my bacon by stepping in because doing this uh, hour and uh, a bit long podcast on my own would be a nightmare for both me and the <laughs> listeners. So, uh, good to have you here. We're currently sitting at uh, Studio DOS. Is that what we're going to call with it? Or yeah, the- we'll, yeah, we'll stick with yeah, Studio you don't have DOS. A cool, you don't have a cool pun like the DOS DO or Studios uh, or something Ludio, like that? <laughs> Ludio sounds a lot better at, at Louis' house than, yeah, we'll have to think of something good for the for the DOSy uh Dossie Den here. Oh, Dossie's Den. That's all right. Dossie's there Den will go. do. I like that. Right there. Yeah, that'll do. All right. So, we're in Dossie's Den right now. We're, it's uh, almost three-quarter time of the Geelong versus Hawthorne match. Uh, so, we'll uh, analyze that after that. Uh, this uh, game finishes and we'll include that on the end of the podcast. I just want to do at the top of the show, though, Maxie Holmes has been officially inducted into Dossie's My Boy Hall of Fame. You did uh, call it on the group chat uh, earlier in the week. I called yeah. it early. Yeah. Uh, for no apparent reason apart from I saw 190 centimeters-ish. Yep. Good runner. And you know, I've already I've already um, seen some observable thirst on the TV coverage here. Speaking of I'm observable thirst, uh, we probably should thank Remedy Kombucha for uh, supplying us with some drinks uh, for the show, as they always do. Uh, we're sitting around drinking a couple of remedies in the in Dos says uh, the Dos's Den. So I just have a sip uh, here. There, thank you for that. Yeah, looks like a lovely, delicious. What flavour you got there, Dossie? Oh, it's a cherry. <laughs> <laughs> cherry one, this one. Yeah, it's definitely not a beer-flavoured kombucha. <laughs> no, not this one, mate. This one's, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, the, uh, the old mango passion, actually. Oh, I've got a mis- bit mistaken there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Oh, good. Uh, so, thank you. One of the sponsors. We've got another sponsor on board, and that is, uh, uh, sorry, just on uh, um, Remedy. If you're keen to purchase some Remedy, use the coupon code KEEPER20 on the uh, the Remedy shop online, and you'll get yourself 20% off and free shipping on that. Uh, keep smashing that because it's uh, making us look good. So, thank you, listeners. Um, but, yeah. Speaking of sponsors, we've also got Zambrero on board and they're looking after listeners Ooh. by giving out a few vouchers each week to uh, one lucky listener. And uh, so you get two vouchers, one for you and a mate. Uh, there's a form on our website, uh, keeperleaguepod.com.au slash Zambrero if you want to sign up for that to be in the running. Um, basically, at the moment, if you do sign up, you've got a pretty bloody good chance because uh, I think there's only about 100 people signed up so far. So oh, wow. If, yeah, I'm a big a- fan of the Zambies myself, Hef. I know you are. I'm You're a regular. A veggie burrito man. I am certainly. It used to be my my go to after a big night on the on the town when I was a young whippersnapper yeah, as well. Sure, things have changed since then. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we're about to announce the winner. So uh, we are the first winner of the uh, Zambrero competition this week from Tasmania, uh, young town in Tasmania, to be exact, uh, Robert McMullen. So congratulations! Uh, your vouchers are already in the post. I posted them this morning, so uh, look out for them. And uh, yeah, enjoy yourself uh, a couple free burritos for you and a mate. All right, uh, enough plug-in sponsors and being sellouts. Let's get on to the round rewind. All right, 
right, kicking off round three, we saw Brisbane Lions versus Collingwood uh, on Thursday night. Um, so we'll get stuck into that one. Um, a few players to discuss. Uh, Jordan Ruffhead, so he had 114 point, points, took 17 marks. So we're seeing some of these key defenders actually becoming legitimate options, especially in keep leagues when, uh, I guess, the uh, defensive stocks can be scarce. Um, Darcy Moore was quiet. So we talked about the last few weeks. He'd scored pretty well. He only had 64 and only had seven marks. So the ball seemed to be kind of skipping him and coming on Jordan Ruffhead's head. Um, and then it was coming a bit deeper. I think that's due to, due to it being going to Danaher, I think, in the back line. So I probably wouldn't have any faith in him really going forward. But I think key defenders are just becoming good loophole options at the moment. 17 marks. It's ridiculous, that's nuts. Isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely that's ridiculous. I didn't see that. That's crazy. Five more marks than the next best and eight more marks. Nearly double the next best for Collingwood. Are we in a grants that you can't rely on that every week, though? No, absolutely yeah, exactly. not. So we'll move on. Uh, Isaac Quainer, he had 99 points, uh, 14 kicks, 10 handballs and nine marks. Two tackles to go on that. Playing a halfback role. Um, I reckon we'll see this more consistently over time. I think Crisp moving into the midfield is going to help him as well. Do you see Crisp role being the the same long-term uh, Louis? Do you think he's going to play midfield a bit more often and will that open up options for Quainer? Oh, I think Crisp has that versatility. So uh, Crisp is going to split his time through defence and midfield regardless, but the ability for Crisp to go into that midfield and be really competitive. He's actually a super good midfielder. So I think that's going to free up a little bit of space for Quainor to come in and, and just sort of get those uncontested marks off halfback, which we've seen Collingwood defenders are, are quite capable of doing. Well, 17 marks. <laughs> exactly. Well, on that, we've got another defender here, and that's John Noble. He had 79 points, and he's almost got 2G4P status for mine. Um, I think he's gone 80, 80, and then the 70s around those. So um, I guess the big question, I guess, with these guys, and that's um, talking about Isaac Quainer as well, are Noble and Quainer hurting Braden Maynard's output? Because he seems to be playing a lot more defensive and I guess he's more of a contested player who are probably losing out in the uh, in the new rules, I guess. What do you think, Dossie? Do you think these guys are having an effect on Brad Maynard? Yeah. Well, it's, I, it is concerning his scores at the moment as well, I guess. Uh, Noble, for me, is one that has been on the rise, though. What is he? He's sort of coming into his own at that mid, mid-20-year-old. I think he was a mature sort of age yeah, rookie. Yeah, so, he's sort of – I think he's just sort of caught up. And now he's kind of getting his own possessions. And I think just that natural progression from him alongside Maynard and the other guys getting possessions back there. And like you're saying, the rule changes, I think maybe just a combination of those maybe hurts Maynard a bit, but I'm not sure. You probably just got to stick with a guy like Maynard long term. Also, we saw that Maynard was able to do his best scoring when Jeremy Howe wasn't in the side. Yeah, that's true. So he didn't play after round six. Yeah, so I think point. Maynard was able to clean up those marks a little bit. Now, with all of them in the side, that's dried up. And Maynard's still filling the main stat lines. He's just not getting enough of the ball, which I think that's because of Noble, Quaynor, as well as... A um, bit more lockdown and let Jeremy Howe sort of float in front for the yep. ball. And, and Noble's still just at ground level. Kind too of many mouths to feed in general as well. They can't all be good scorers back there, really. Yeah, They've all got to play their role. But I do I do like Noble as well, though. Yeah, same. Yeah, well, I, I reckon we give him one more week before we give him 2G4P. I don't know. Without K's here, I'm a bit tentative to give out too many 2G4Ps, but uh, we'll have to back your judgment Noble this week. Noble seems, yeah. Not quite. He's still a keeper. Right on it. Right, right on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, just want to mention Jordan Degoe as well. He only had 66, so he's still not 2G4P. Um, still had a little bit of midfield time, but just wasn't scoring. So, um, yeah, he's on the uh, on the nose in uh, a lot of the classic circles and keeper league circles and basically anyone who owns him anywhere. Disappointing. Uh, not a lot of people happy with 
with Jordan Dugowie. Um Moving on to some Brisbane players, I just want to say kudos to Kays if you're listening. Probably won't be. But uh, he called uh, Jared Lyons would be the VC option of the week. So uh, the Oracle can do no wrong at the moment. So I think he had 146 points well, or something like and that. And we're so. probably glad we don't have him here for his bombers as well because yeah. they were up and about. And, gee, I might have as many players to talk about as he would have had on there though, but <laughs> he would probably would have had every – Every single player on the ground to talk about after that performance well, as you, well. You've pretty much got every player on the ground to talk about <laughs> anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But we'll discuss Brisbane for a, a bit. Uh, Devin Robertson, he had 93 points and we saw what he can do at underage level. So he averaged 120 in the Waffle Colts and 113 uh, at the under-18 championships playing for Western Australia. Was actually given midfield time, so he had centre bounce attendances, which we kind of, I don't know, we, we know that in the past couple of years he's been groomed as like a, a forward. Um, for Brisbane, he's been playing there in the twos or in their practice matches last year when they didn't have a, uh, an EFL to play. But he also laid seven tackles to go along with his 17 disposals so seem to prefer the handle a bit which is a concern but I think a lot of young players coming in tend to do that they're not they don't back themselves as much by foot because he still had 78 uh, 76% disposal efficiency so not the worst do you think now this is a big question guys and I'll probably throw this over to Louis do you think he maintains his spot for the next few weeks or do you think the job security is pretty shaky for uh, Devin Robertson Nah, job security is definitely shaky. We've already seen this year that Sharp was able to get a go. Yep. He immediately got dropped. Devin Robertson's come in. Maybe that was off the back of them actually being stuck in Melbourne as well. Yep. So, they haven't been able to call on the troops. Barry's uh, test for next week. They've got other blokes like Matheson who's probably a little bit more developed just playing in the twos. I don't like his job security. Yeah, there's there's so many more probably more established names that could come in and fill a similar type of role. That's the main thing that concerns me. But I think for the fantasy coaches out there, we've just been excited to see him do something like this for so long. So it's a bit disappointing to have to write him off straight away. Um, he's definitely a player that if he's away, uh, available on waiver-wise, you're going to probably wait a week before you snap up. Oh, you're probably not going to get a week to wait on him though. Are you? No, People you are going to grab him straight away. The beauty of your keepers is you like, keep this guy's a fantasy yeah. stud. If he does somehow maintain the role, we know what he can do. Whereas we are very concerned that a Barry is going to come in. Yeah, exactly. But if we, if you pick him up in a keeper, like you're just going to hold him and stash him regardless. Because if anyone goes down injured, he's we know what he can do from a from a fantasy perspective. He's he's a jet. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully he gets a. If it's not going to be this year, he will get a role in the future, and he will be good at fantasy. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. uh, Ryan Lester, 92 points. Uh, played a few different roles in defence. Um, sometimes has to lock down. Other times gets free. He got a bit more free this week. You know, it's a good game against Collingwood, who uh, you generally you know teams teams seem to score pretty well against. But I don't think we can rely on a player like Ryan Lester just yet. Uh, Joe Danaher though had 92 points. Uh, Kicked three goals, which helped the tally, but uh, scored well last week, only kicking one goal too. So this actually goes, goes to show his fantasy scoring potential this season. I think if he um, stays fit, he returns to his 2017 form at the very least, right? That was an 85 average. What do you reckon, Doss? Do you think he can average 85 this season, Danaher? Uh, y- yes and no. It's hard, It's so hard to say with key forwards. I mean, yeah. the average, I don't know, but he's going to have some awesome scores. 85, yeah, probably could see something like that. Low 80s, I reckon, I think we've worst. seen guys, you know, like an Aaron Norton right now averaging really well. He's in, he's in a really good team, though. Yeah. That's a bit different. Brisbane, I mean, Brisbane aren't too shabby. The gold standard of text, but um, he's that sort of player that is- Especially one on one, he's the he's the unguardable type of player. Whereas if he's on, you can't stop him. Yeah, and correct. those are the sort of guys this year that we want to get on in in draft, which I've really been enjoying this year. Is the key forward resurgence, and he's a guy at the top of the, that list. Where if he is on, and if he continues to just build form, you know, he hasn't played in a long time. I could see, I could see something in the in the range of an eighty-five. You're going to get some bad weeks, but you yeah, might get some banger one twenties if you can if you can get a bag. So yeah, I'm a big fan. 
For sure. Just quickly, uh, Harris Andrews had 86 points, and that was on the back of 10 marks. It was his first game above 60 for the year, though. Um, it was a good score, a bit of a tip of the cap, because he's not going to be a great player in the AFL fantasy scoring format. Uh, Zach Bailey had 71 points, and he kicked the match winner as well. Um, he's a good player, but I, I just get the feeling he's a better player in real life than he is a fantasy player. Um, a lot of people get caught up in him just with how good he looks. Um, and he had a purple patch last year where he scored pretty well in terms of fantasy. He had three or four weeks in a row where he was you know, putting up some good BCV numbers. But I just haven't seen enough yet from a fantasy perspective to get too excited. What do you boys think? What do you think, Louis, about Zach Bailey? Oh, look, I think a little bit like Zach Butters, he's a high-impact per-possession player. So every time we see Zach Bailey get near the ball or uh, get near a player with the ball, he attacks it with ferocity. I think that's what the Lions love about him. He's able to do that sort of 17 to 20 times a game. Unfortunately, he probably needs to find five or six more touches on top of that to become really relevant in fantasy. That being said, he's got a relatively good floor with his tackling. So I really like Zach Bailey in the future. Right now, though, probably not his time. I'm ditto for me in terms of if you're in a deeper keeper league with lots of keepers, he's one. He's a, on, on the higher end of my guys that I like just because a guy that can get into a position to win a game two weeks in a row, yeah. he knows exactly where to be at the right times. And like, like you were saying, Louis, though, it is very much impact per possession, but- um, gee, that's a guy that you want for the future. Absolutely. All right, we'll move on to the North Melbourne versus Western Bulldogs game. I had a look at this one as well. So, um, Aaron Hall, he had 99 points, a uh, half-forward role, and he also kicked the goal uh, early on in the game. Um, just kind of played between the arcs, pushed up and got involved in possession chains. Now, it's interesting because in previous years, he's been a reasonably handy uh, scorer, especially with um, the forward status. Um, last year, he was okay as well. Just It depends, I think, on what direction North Melbourne go in. Like, do they actually want to win some games? So, they're going to play players like Aaron Hall, or do they start just developing youth full-on? Um, um, I don't know. I guess the answer to this is whether you think Aaron Hall is a viable fantasy option. So what do you think, Louis? Do you reckon Aaron Hall kind of plays out the season and goes right in terms of fantasy or do you reckon they just start kind of chopping and changing and trying people in different positions? And yeah, him? I think they'll start fading him out slowly as the season goes on. He's a He's been a really good fantasy scorer, Absolutely. but unfortunately the position that North is in, they need to start looking towards the youth and and to some of the leaders at that club. So I expect to see Luke McDonald and Trent Dumont, who are both uh, leadership players, they're in the leadership group, to come in over the next few weeks. Yep. And that's going to affect his scoring and his job security, I think. But if you can keep a spot in that side, Aaron Hall has shown that he can be that guy that can that can score you a 70, but also pop up and get you that ton. Yeah, a lot of the players I'm going to talk about here uh, for North Melbourne, I guess, are affected by um, Trent Dumont, and now I guess um, Jed Anderson is going to probably miss another couple of weeks and stuff like that. So there's a it's, it's a bit of bit you, up in the air. You about need to get him back on the pod, mate. Get some more insight. <laughs> Trent as to what's going to happen? Yeah, I could do actually. Still got the number saved in the phone. I'm sure he'd appreciate a random call from uh, yours truly. But anyway, uh, Cam Zerha, uh, 90, 90 points. Uh, he's been thrown around the last few weeks. Uh, midfield and uh, then kind of defence last week versus Gold Coast uh, started in defence this week. Uh, North struggled to move the ball forward and they chipped it around a lot so I think he got involved in a few of these plays then he went forward real late in the game but he only had one point in the final quarter so I don't know I, I like him if he can play a permanent defender role but I just I don't know I just think like North Melbourne are just trying some random things at the moment and it's really hard to get a read of what they're actually going to do do you think Cam Zerha can be a viable uh, fantasy scorer Doss? I think he's in that uh, Jordan Degoe type mould yeah. isn't he as that big Looking bloke, correct. That, that can that can get some midfield minutes at times, but his most damaging or 
the issue is North Melbourne need goals, and at the moment he's probably the guy that. I mean, I don't think he's done very well on on the scoreboard so far. No, he hasn't. To, no, but even uh, last week, like he played a similar role and still only scored about fifty five points. Yeah, like he looked a lot better in this game. Like yeah. early on, especially he he was pretty good. I think yeah, like you said, he only he scored terrible late. I don't, I don't think this year's his year, but I, I do think in the future he might become that guy. But I, I'd be worried he's just going to be another kind of degoey that just shows a lot of promise. Pops up and at his best, big score. he's going to change a game. But unless you like that Christian Petrarca breakout, that's a rare breakout, I think. Yeah. And, you know, he's not Christian Petrarca yet. I don't even think he's in that territory. I've probably yeah. got him as being a better Josh Green at this point. <laughs> so, I know that sounds so harsh, but- he doesn't find a lot of the footy and he's only able to really kick one goal a game, maybe two, yeah. and his role's being thrown around all the time. So, yeah. as good as Zerha actually is, um, I just hold fire on that a little bit. Probably so much depends on a play- depends on a player like Zerha where North Melbourne are at in three, four years' time as well. That's going to be a big the factor. The promising as to thing scores. is getting 90 in a blowout like this. I mean, how, how did- Watching the game, half I guess throwing it back on you. You know, he got nine marks. Yeah, were they were they just cheap sort of slow play marks? And if yeah. so, then you're probably just not correct. It was just bought more that they just could not move the ball forward. He was in defence, and they'd kind of just try to move around until something opened up, and that was the way it kind of worked out for him. So he got the end of those. Yeah, I, I don't think it can be something to be super trusted, but he definitely intrigues me because he's definitely got the makings of someone that can roll through a midfield plat forward and you know perhaps become a degoey type option, even if that's not that desirable. Still handy in this format. Uh, Jaden Stevenson, uh, 81 points. Played that wing role again. Uh, actually managed to score some points this week, which is nice. Uh, had 81 of them. So, he had 15 kicks and four handles, which is a good ratio. But can we rely on him? Uh, what's his average going to be this year? Do you think he can go 80 plus from here? And there's no chance of keeping forward status, I don't think, as well, Louis. Um, you talked about DeMont coming you know, back in soon. Could really affect him as well. What's your feel on Jaden Stevenson? A little bit like Zerha, I think North are going to try a couple of different things. Obviously, Stevenson has the speed off the mark, so he's able to play in a midfield role. Whether or not he fits in there, I'm not so sure, which is why we sort of think he might play that forward role. I think that he's probably a bit of a hybrid between both, so his scoring will reflect that and he'll be sort of an 80 to 90 guy and he will have some of that ceiling, which we saw in round one. So, I do like Jaden Stevenson. Yeah. He has burnt coaches in classic, but from a keeper perspective- I think it's only up from here. My concern with him is they just might want to use him as a forward when DeMont comes back. They might actually want to use him as like a genuine avenue to goal or some bit of flare up forward if they're really struggling. That's just my concern. But he is showing some promising signs with the role he's got. And he's probably performing too well for him to kind of revert back to a, a full-time forward role. But I'm just a little bit concerned in that respect, that's all. Um, just a few mentions here. Sean Atley had 78 points. Actually, yeah, he averaged, he's averaging 87 this season. He's spending a lot of time on the wing as well. So, I reckon we need to watch the space on Sean Atley just a little bit because he's listed as a defender. So, that could be handy. But again, DeMont coming back, that wing role, everything here relates back to DeMont really coming back in. Uh, Lockie Young, uh, he had 77 points and he just got involved in that chip around in defense as well. Had five tackles um, there as well, which helps. But, you know, they were chasing it's all day. So. probably a rare case where the blowouts actually helped a team score in terms of because we're just That's not used bad to, North Melbourne. We're are. just not used to seeing anything from North. But yeah. then the dogs are almost like, oh, you know, just let them have a couple here. Let yeah. them have a couple of plus sixes. Lockie Young switched forward late as well and got on the end of a few nice leads. But yeah, it was one of his better games. One that was talked around in preseason purely because he's come from a side where he wasn't getting a game and now he's looking like he will get a game each week. I'm just not really, you know, 
I don't think the fantasy scoring is going to be there, that's all. Uh, Tom Powell had 65 points, and he was playing in the midfield a lot more this week, less time up forward. Uh, seven kicks, seven handballs, seven marks, and three tackles. It's a nice role for fantasy. I think he just needs to kind of build a bit more confidence, and I think North will keep playing him. I think it was positive signs that they brought in Will Phillips and kept him in as well. But that's we'll, moving on to Will Phillips too. He had 34 points. He had, it was his debut game. Didn't play a lot of footy. Didn't play any footy last year. Um, I know the scoring was a bit gross for, you know, what you'd expect from someone who's as hyped as Will Phillips, but I think he just, he's just going to be better for the run and hopefully he keeps his spot and just builds on this season. All right, uh, let's talk about some Western Bulldogs. Uh, Josh Bruce had 152 points. He kicked 10 goals. So if the dog's going to be a powerhouse this season, like he would have to be a viable option, seeing though key forwards are putting up good numbers uh, this year. Had 85 in round one. Um, he's currently averaging 98.3 on the back of last week's, but having 150 in the second or third game really helps you out. Uh, Dossie, what do you reckon? Josh Bruce, can he be a viable option this season? Yes, yeah, so I think both the guys you're about to talk about, the next guy as well, the two key forwards for dogs. Next one's Aaron Norton. But, it, you know, the, the two key forwards for North, uh, for for Western Bulldogs, sorry, in a team that's just going to – they're looking the goods yeah. so far. They're going to get delivery all day from that midfield. Exactly. So those, They've those got the best forwards. midfield yeah. in the competition and yeah. if you're going to get that delivery inside 50 every week, you're going to be kicking some snags. And I think both of them are legitimate draft options and starters until we see otherwise. They've both been put – well, they've both been putting up fieldable scores for yeah. a couple of weeks now. I don't know what Josh Bruce did in, in – round two but I mean Norton every single week I've had him on the field I think in one of my leagues and he's putting up the high 70s and high 80s in this one I'm just surprised Bruce was the one that got on the end of the 10 and not not Norton to be honest I think it was just whoever's playing deeper really got on the end of yeah. the they, they just didn't have a match up for Bruce yeah. so yeah. They, were, they were focused on Norton and Bruce got the chocolates there the only concern I've got or what I will raise with Bruce is that he's kicked 17 of his last 19 goals against North Melbourne or something like that. So, yeah, there you go. he's not exactly in scintillating form. Yes, he's he's hitting the scoreboard in terms of fantasy, and he certainly did um, in at the AFL last week. But he's one I'd, I'd just hold back on a little bit. Norton, I, I really like, though. With the Bruce side of things, I don't know if you guys saw the article on afl.com.au this this week, There was which is where I believe Hef's done some fine work on there as well. I only read your articles, <laughs> Dossie, on the keepleaguepod.com.au. That's, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. That's, I, don't that's really, I don't really read any other articles. No, that's yeah. fair. I just know, you, you know you've, you've been associated with, the, with that other website, though, as well. Yeah, yeah. There, Inferior uh, website, yeah. Putting, uh, putting up some stuff on there. But uh, Josh Bruce... Um, had a cracking preseason this this year and uh, contacted his old mate Jack Steele from St Kilda to run run with him this preseason. So he's he's sort of uh, I think he from the sounds of things lost a bit of love for footy, but then he's gained that back. And this year you can kind of tell that in his footy the way he's going about it. That combined with Western Bulldogs up and about, yeah. I don't see a question to doubt it right now until we see otherwise. Yeah, I just see them get those forwards. So both of them we mentioned Bruce and Aaron Norton just getting so much supply this year that it's going to be kind of. They're going to have to have some absolute stinkers to be awful, I think, just with the supply they're getting. So, um, yes, I don't think expect 152 points each week, but I think you can rely on them to be, you know, 75-plus averages at least this season. And I think yeah. that's probably on the lower side as well. So, hopefully they can, you know, Norton especially, can go around the 80 mark or close to. They're going to be um, viable options. So, Norton had 89 on the week and he kicked two goals as well. So, even though he wasn't the star and he was getting locked down a bit more, he still scored really well. Uh, I don't know what your draft's looking like, but I've got like two to three key forwards in – most of my lineups every week now. Yeah, I didn't. I never touch key forwards, as listeners will probably know, and it's really biting me. I smashed year. the free like, agency yeah. pool on in round one yeah. just because 
we'd been looking at them and I, I was kind of early on saying this looks like a trend and it, it didn't it wasn't enough data to say it was a trend but I kind of bit early on my draft legs and it's really paying off on a few lineups here yeah well good to see uh, yeah definitely something that's going to pay off uh, Taylor Durrar he had uh, 89 points and he's got a great role for fantasy across halfback had 13 kicks 8 handballs 7 marks should firmly be in their best 22 by now there was a bit of question just with him missing so much footy last year I know he came back late and uh, was in their best 22 by the end of the year but I think those kind of any concern that anyone had has been washed away by now he's averaging 85 this season and he had 73.5 um, from the end of last season that was his average last season and that was a 91.8 BCV so what do you guys think uh, Louis Taylor Durrar can he be a viable back option in keeper leagues yeah I think so we saw that Hayden Crozier has been a guy who's been able to average 70 yep. to 75 every Correct. single year and with him being out at least for the next sort of three or four more weeks then uh, for now Taylor Durrar is certainly an option and clearly he's ahead of JJ as well Yep, definitely. All right, we'll move on. Uh, Tom Libertora, he had 89 points, 89 points, sorry. He could just continues to have a good season. We've seen him average around the 90 mark before, which is great for your last midfielder on field. Um, he's kind of like one of the, the better in and under midfielders in there because a lot of the midfielders that do roll through there are a bit more of the uh, the uncontested type and they've got a bit more flair. Um, so he's kind of got a pretty safe role in there, kind of doing some of the dirty jobs, but he has been pushing forward a bit as well. So um, he can snag a goal here and there if he's playing that role too. So I don't mind Tom Libertora this year. I reckon he could go around the 90 average and kind of get back to his best form before he broke the leg, was it? Or was it ACL or something happened to him a couple of years ago? Yeah, far out. Wild, yeah, it was wild one of the two. Yeah, a couple of knees. Yep. Yeah, a couple yeah. of knees, was it? Yeah. Um, anyway, Bailey Dale, he had 85 points, just got involved in what was a good day for the Western Bulldogs forwards. Um, I just don't think he pumped out these out regularly. Isn't, he's, he's, he's playing back one now. Oh, was he? I think he's on a half back now, uh, if I'm not mistaken. They've kind of moved him around. He might have moved forward in this yeah, one, I'm not sure. I just remember him taking a mark on the half forward flank. That's the only Yeah, thing so I think he's actually started half back the last couple of weeks. And if he's if he is in that role, maybe with Johannesson back in the side, he wasn't. Like I said, you watch this game more than me. Have, oh, I had so. a two year old run around annoying me the whole time. But, uh, That's anyway. right. But <laughs> if he does, if we see him getting more of the half back than a forward, he's much more tempting. Option. Yeah, now looking at his heat map, he was 35% up forward and 70, uh, 65%. Oh, sorry, 30%, 70 cent back. Yeah, so he was starting behind the ball, but just pushing up and around throughout the game, yeah. So he's, but he's, you know, even even as a defender, nah, he's um, probably the third or fourth in line in terms of ball use off the back line. Yeah, but. correct. Um, and Paddy Lipinski, he had 70 points. Um, he missed out in selection and was the sub that came in real early. Um, there was an injury there. I can't actually remember who it was, but uh, yeah, got injured early. Um, I reckon you just got to hold him if you own him. There's a lot of coaches out there really frustrated, especially with oh, the depth of the midfield. It was the key defender um, and he got injured in the first like 30 seconds. That's right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, hopefully he gets forward status. Do you guys think he's a chance at that, getting forward status? Paddy Lipinski? Anyone? He, yeah. I think any one of the Bulldogs mids yeah, could definitely. pick it up Absolutely. at this stage. All right. he, he have to, he, if he's going to stay in the team, he's going to have to find that role. Absolutely. All right, I'll move on to my third game in a row and then I can have a bit of a rest, <laughs> yeah. so it's going to be nice. You're powering through, mate. No, that's all right. Well. I've, I'm getting Louis talkative. Is a bit, Louis is a bit quiet as well because he's, he's really interested in this Geelong Hawthorne game in the background. There's about 10 minutes left. The Hawks have kicked a goal and he's really interested in a few You blokes have just got it all covered, I think. I think he's uh, really focusing on that AFL Fantasy Classic ranking that we're uh, not allowed <laughs> yeah, to speak about on this podcast. He's pod. on the refresh. Yeah, he's but refreshing. anyway, uh, the man of the moment, the man of the hour, Taylor Walker. Now, a funny story on the group chat, uh, Dossie, uh, message, uh, not Dossie, uh, Louis messaged me during the week, I think it was Thursday, saying, do you think if we posted enough Taylor Walker gifts in the group chat, we can convince uh, Dossie to pick Taylor Walker? And I think we may have psyched him out of it because I think he was actually kind of keen on the idea 
year. Yeah, and because we, we did the opposite. Yeah, we and we actually probably psyched you out instead of actually like, convincing <laughs> you to do it. So I don't know. Um, I, are you a bit disappointed that you didn't pick Taylor Walker this week? Oh no, no, one thirty-six points. I don't need that in my side. That's fine. <laughs> don't need that at all. <laughs> anyway, we'll stop talking about classic. But he had one hundred and thirty-six points. Uh, holy shit, he's in career best form up forward. Uh, look, when does this end? Like he's got a cushy run coming up too he's against got North, North Melbourne, Melbourne this week. Frio, Hawthorne, GWS in the next month. Oh, like he's going ham in all those games, isn't he? Like there's no yes, chance he's not. Yes, yeah. he is. So if he he's, can't be stopped right now. If he's like, yeah, there's no point even just discussing like, is this viable? Is this going to continue? Because it just is for the time being, which is kind of frustrating. Louis, you had a good um, theory on Taylor Walker though on the drive here about uh, he scored a, a phenomenal amount of their points, right? Yeah, so Taylor Walker's been responsible for 42.6% of Adelaide's scoring this year. So, uh, if I'm an opposition coach, uh, I'm probably looking at sticking two blokes on him or at least giving him a whole lot more attention because if you beat Taylor Walker, you almost win a game of football. Yeah, so that's something you could be concerned about, but right now he's in some great form. Good. And I'm not sure three on him, he's still going to kick five. Yeah, I don't know. In the form <laughs> he's in anyway. Um, another favourite of the podcast, uh, Ben Keyes, 99 points. Actually, no, we made him 2G4P last week, so I'm not even going to talk about Ben Keyes. Uh, he's just oh. too good for the podcast. <laughs> you can't, yeah, well, we can't argue with it, can we? No, nah, not at the point. He's averaging too much, so averaging in the 90s. Uh, Paul Seisman, he had 89 points. Uh, finally, a lot of the ball in the wing. Had 70 kicks, uh, 10 handles. There's a lot of talk about wingers battling, and this was before Gaff played because everyone was kind of bitching and moaning about Gaff last week, but that's kind of uh, changed now but uh, look in this game they're fine and I think a lot of wingers in the comp are actually scoring okay um, so yeah Paul Seisman I think is a, is a viable option as one of your last midfielders if he's available in your league as well uh, Lockie Show had 74 points uh, was better this week just got a lot of touches uh, down back but he was lining up on the wing so I think the uh, the touches down back was just coincidental that's just the way he kind of pushes back um, I wouldn't get my hopes up on him keeping back status if anyone is then. I know you look at the heat maps, you see where he's had his touches, but I just don't think he's going to keep it going forward. Uh, onto the Suns, Jack Lacocious had 90 points. Uh, spent a little bit of time up forward as expected. Um, it didn't hurt the scoring though, so I think we need to make him 2G4P. Can we rule that one in, guys, do you reckon? Jack Lacocious, too good for the podcast? Oh, yeah. He's going to be owned in every league, right? No one's going to be giving up. No, yeah. the fact he was a top what, top three pick as well. Yeah, exactly. He probably, probably the moment he was he was drafted, nobody was going to trade him or get rid of him Correct. for anything. I'm sure K's would be more than fine uh, with us making him 2G4P as well. So that's all good. Uh, Dustin McPherson, he had 80 po- 88 points and he's playing the half forward role, but he's scoring heaps well. Um, he manages to get on the end of those kind of short kick chains down the wing and he kicked the goal too, which helps. Um, he's what you want Will Brody to be. So there would have been so many Will Brodies hoping that he could actually score like this. But uh, Dustin McPherson is doing the job a lot better. I think he's in for a good season he had a big like a career year I think it was two years ago where he was getting a lot of midfield time came back last year because he wasn't getting the same midfield time just with a few kids overtaking but I think he's made the half forward uh, role his own um Dossie do you think he can uh, maintain this type of scoring so at the start of the 2020 season McPherson was a burn man for me as in I, I called him a burn man before the season and just want to elaborate on what a burn man is for our listeners somebody that you draft high thinking they're going to have a big big year and it ends up burning you okay yep um and a lot of people did draft him early because he had the massive JLT games. Yeah. And the whole thing was, though, when he had a big score, he didn't get the center bounces. Correct. And in the past, center bounces had been conducive to him scoring yep. well. Yeah. Now he's not getting center bounces still as far as I can see. I, I, you saw more of this than No, I no. I'd, yeah, I didn't notice him in there. And for sure. he's just – he's found a way to score up forward. 
I think this is the rules that are helping him though because I they're not agree. bombing long you inside can get on, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. get on the lead and he's not the- I, I, feel, I feel like crumbing forwards are struggling. Yeah. Um, like a Dan Butler type, which I'll talk about in mine. But, but the half forwards are going okay. The ones He's that not of a crumbing the, forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I mean. He's not. Yeah. yeah. So, he, he, he should be okay. Five marks, five tackles. Yeah. Uh, 18 disposals isn't heaps, but- yeah. Yeah, he should be good for you know he's gonna be he's gonna be able to be fielded this year compared to previous years. The way the way I see the kind of game kind of shaping is if unless you're going kind of long quickly to your key forwards, you're generally going short chip on the forty fives and just kind of chipping the ball and slowly edging forward to goals. And those guys that are playing around the kind of you know the front of the square or the kind of on, on the fifty mm. do get on the end of those chains and kind of deliver that ball finally inside fifty to the key. So I reckon a guy like Switkowski's come out of nowhere for that fact yeah. because he was an unknown. Uh, you know, hadn't played a heap with injuries and stuff. Yep. Darcy McPherson's that role, but he's more established player. So, I think you're right, Hef. Oh, here's Jordy Clark going to kick a goal for us and we're very happy. Louis trying really happy. hard not to just celebrate the back <laughs> his fantasy points he's scoring. I like right. that. Oh, that was hard. I like D-Mac. I like D-Mac this year. I think you've convinced me, Hef, as we've talked. Here. All right, let's move on to Charlie Ballard. He had 87 points. Um, he's now averaging 81 for the season, which is ridiculous. Uh, took 11 marks and had 14 kicks. Uh, doesn't take the main tall, kind of gets a secondary one as well. So sometimes he doesn't have to play super defensive. Uh, depending on who they're playing, he can go okay. Or I can just keep loopholing a player like him. I wouldn't quite trust him yet to start him straight on field. But uh, if you loophole Charlie Ballard and he gets on the end of a few marks, he can definitely get you an 80 plus. So I don't mind him. Uh, Jared Harbour, I came back into the side this week. He 75 points playing across half back. Uh, used the ball a lot by foot, had 14 kicks. He's just a player, I think, that you can just get super cheap. Um, just depends what happens with the body with him. But I think with Butterick out, he kind of comes in to play his role and should be semi-safe for the rest of the year as long as he doesn't get injured. So he plays the right role. He's just a bit, you know, aging a bit this year. That's how, all. how old is Harbrow now? I don't know. He's, I know he got placed back on the um, on the rookie list and he's been around for ages. I'll just quickly Google his he, He'd age. have to be up there for oldest players in the comp, I reckon. Yeah, I think, well, I don't know about oldest, but yeah, he's up there. Uh, he's 32. So, um, oh, wow. Yeah, but he's kind of, he's, he's definitely like wasn't, I don't think they really intended to play him this year unless they kind of really needed him to, so. Just on the Suns and a few, even the Ballards and stuff, the Suns are just, the at the moment, they're the second highest marking team. I thought that was going to be an outlier versus West Coast in the first round. Both teams just chipped yeah. it around the back line. They didn't want to get They seem to be the same, same game style in the back line. That's why they were both in round one. They both had the most marks because they're just chipping it around. It I think it's going like- Just on that, it probably explains why that game was so close when we saw what, Port, mm. what happened to Port Adelaide this weekend, just playing a very similar style to each other. Yep. Neither, neither could win the ball off each other type thing. But That's anyway. it. I mean, maybe that probably- could give us a bit more confidence in a guy like Charlie Ballard if they're going to be chipping it around in their defence. You probably can be safe fielding him. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's just talk about Oleg Markov real quickly. He had 69 points. Uh, nice. Um, score was a product of, I guess, GC's shitness in my view. Um, still looks like he's got the fantasy game. Um, he was involved in that switch a lot. And he seems to be hit up by Bose a lot coming out of his kick from defence. Often it goes short to a pocket and he's generally on the end of that. So, um, especially, you know, wide, he goes a bit wider. So, look, I don't stress. I think 69 is still good for where you would have drafted him in your keeper leagues. So, uh, Oleg Markov isn't one to worry about. All right. Uh, we're going to – I'm actually going to have a break this time. I'm going to hand over to Lou, I think, and he's going to talk about the Richmond versus Sydney game. Easy. So, this was quite a good game to actually watch because Sydney's young guns are just freaks, aren't they? I Absolutely. haven't been reminded of this since pretty much Dozy, uh, Dersma, Rosie and uh, Butters a couple of years ago. So, it's good to watch from that respect. But we'll start with Richmond and with Liam Baker, who uh, last year shifted from the forward line to the half back line, beginning to settle into that role. And he can sort of 
He's finding a way to make an impact on the contest and he's getting those 16 to 17 touches a game as well as tackling and he's sort of going at that 70 average small defender type player, I think. So what do you guys reckon of him? Oh, yeah, me. Uh, well, I think the the issue I've got with um, a few defensive, uh, unless you're playing that Gold Coast or West Coast mark, heavy mark type of game, it's going to be hard to field when you're not going to be chipping it around in defense. And when you've got a guy like Jaden Short, who the ball goes to Jaden Short and then it's banging up forward, you know what I mean? Oh, he's going to be sort of a risky proposition to field week to week. He's actually had a quite a slow start this year, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He hasn't been huge. I think as well, like we know we've got Hooley coming back into the side as well. Yeah, yeah that, they, they did play the together last year, but that yeah. is a concern too. And you didn't score particularly well with him in there though as no, well. No. So that's my biggest thing with Liam Baker. Um, yeah, look, he looks like he should be the fantasy type with the role he plays, but for some reason he just doesn't seem to get there. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, next up, we got Jack Graham, who in round one we saw that Cochin didn't play and he put up a mammoth score. And now, obviously, we've got Prestia going down. So one has to assume that Jack Graham is next cab off the rank straight into that midfield group. And when he does play that role, he's able to establish quite a high floor. And from finding the pill, he just builds a ceiling from there. So I really like Jack Graham, especially over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, with the depth of um, with the depth of Richmond's midfield, I guess there's a lot of similar types in there. So he, I reckon he will struggle from time to time, but he's definitely he's definitely up and coming. And I think he has taken his game to another level this year. So I like Jack Graham, especially for the future, especially when you know your Cochins are getting on a bit and stuff like that. So um, and then yeah, Edwards too, players rolling through there. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Jack Graham, and I reckon you've, if you've got him in your keeper league, um, you've got yourself a midfielder that's going to be around for a long time. And another one of those young guns in there is also Shay Bolton, who he had a little bit of a quiet game on the weekend, but we're going to see, especially over the next few years, that Richmond is going to sort of pass the torch over to the younger midfield brigade, you know, Cochin, Martin, Prestia, you know, they've only got probably three to four years left. So I think they're really going to pump games into Shy Bolton in that midfield group. And he's going to be someone who's going to be a very good player for us for the next few years. Is he like he's a danger of losing his um, forward status? Obviously, next year. Yeah, I, I think he's someone who probably sporadically picks it up throughout his career. Yeah, but that's what this, I was this year he'll drop it because he did get up there a bit more in this game. Am I correct in saying that he was up forward a little bit when they were just trying a few things out and they couldn't really match it? Yeah, they, they. It looked like Dimmer wanted him one on one in the goal square. Yeah, so. I saw a few just contests and stuff like that where he's up there. So yeah, I think that's probably positive for owners because I think if he can actually you know become one of the main midfielders in there and not be competing so much with all the other ones that run through there, I think. He could be a good option. You just wanted to keep his forward status because that's what's going to make him so handy. And these next two players are Kane Lambert and Josh Caddy. I'm just going to group them in together because they're a little bit of the same player. They yep. like their uncontested marks. They're able to push up the ground, get that uncontested pill as well. So they're sort of 20 to 22 possession type guys. They can give you an 80, but on their day, they can get on the end of a few goals and, and dish up a 120, which is nice for you. I had a sneaky look at this game as well. There's one guy that I just want to ask you about, Louis, as well. And Hef, if you if you think he's relevant, I've I've noted that Bolter actually played a little bit in the ruck in this game as a backup to Nank, and we know he's a lockdown defender. Man, if Bolter ever played in a fantasy friendly role like that, he's such a jet. His athleticism would just hold him in such good stead, and his massive booming kick. Do do you guys rate having him? as potentially a cheeky long-term stash in a dynasty setting. I don't think you can obviously field him at the moment uh, or even consider him in, in a sort of standard keeper. How many key, uh, key position players that do play the backup role genuinely turn into good fantasy scorers though? It's not high. I don't think it adds enough to their game 
to actually boost him into that point. I, and I think he's just going to be too valuable for him going forward to not play as a key defender. Yes, he might pinch hit in there, but I just don't think it's going to add enough to his scoring to make him that viable. That's, That's it. This is the bloke that they're talking about being their next or better Alex Rance. So yep. he's not a player that they're going to throw in the ruck and get banged up. They're, they're, they're actually probably going to wrap him up in con- cotton wool. Sorry, I'm just forgetting how to speak here. <laughs> and, and look after him for the next 10 to 11 to 12 years. And, and he can really play that basically fullback position. Fair enough. Well, that's 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 fine. He's actually only one only, but for ruck size, he's small. He's one ninety four centimeters. He's just got such a great leap that yeah. they just chuck him in there every once in a while. What about some Sydney players, Lou? Yeah, so uh, spoke about those young guns, and straight off the bat, I just want to mention Sam Wicks. Uh, did you guys see him play on the weekend? Yeah, I did. Oh, I was just able to make incredible amounts of space in that forward 50 against Richmond, who notoriously are a really defensive side, and they can sort of put stops on those sorts of players. So he was able to hit the scoreboard three times, found the ball 20 times, and ended up putting up a nice score, I think, of... Um, of uh, 120 or something like that, Dossie. So, yeah, I really like Sam Wicks moving forward. Played some late games last year, so it looks like he's starting to establish himself in that side. He can get up the ground a bit more to get involved with the play as well, which he's kind of – he seems to have – I don't know if this is correct, but he just seems like he's got a bit of a good tank as well. And he's a high tackler. That was coming out of the NFL. He was one of the guys that was sort of averaging those seven to eight tackles a game. Yep, cool. Who else? Uh, Ollie Florent, who another one who we saw sort of break out last year, uh, started attending most centre bounces, but didn't get that jump in points we probably expected. Uh, one of the best on ground on the weekend, had 29 touches, kicked a goal, nine marks, playing through that midfield. And I think he's someone that Sydney are really going to look to sort of uh, lead their next sort of group of young players. So I really like Ollie Florent over the next sort of five years. The only issue I have with Ollie Florent is just there's so many similar types in, in that side. So what's what's his role in that midfield going to be? Is he going to be a winger? Then he's competing with, I guess, your Dylan Stevens, your Goulden's probably going to go up there eventually. Or is he going to be more inside where he's competing with your, your Millses and probably Campbell in the future? What Where, where, where do you see him, him best fitting in that midfield? So he's probably a quintessential inside-outside player. So Which is I know, good for fantasy. That's exactly. I know it does look like he gets quite a bit on the outside yeah. and historically he has as he's sort of built up the tank to get on the inside. But Last year, one of his best strengths was actually the contested pill. And I think um, a couple of the commentators were mentioning it towards the end of last year as well. So I think Ollie Florence got a few more tricks to his bow and uh, he's going to be someone who's going to be worthwhile. And just looking back, I wrote about him in the Draft Doctor's Draft Kit. He pre-buy last year spent four, he averaged 14 centre bounces a game pre-buy and only six post-buy. And there was nothing that changed apart from, I think, Horse sort of just dropped him off the centre bounce attendance list. It's going to be interesting, like Hef was saying, what role they play him in, but they could, they might just, the fact he's been exposed at a young age is a good sign. I, I just don't rate his ceiling personally. He's just taking a long time. Like I just wish he'd hurry up if he's going to be good. Um, we can wait for players. There's a few players. <laughs> I, I think he's only about twenty-two. Wait, wait isn't he? Yeah, I know. But like, because he because he was blooded so early, you just feel like he should. Yeah, be yeah. He's one of those that, guys, so. isn't he? Yeah. Uh, one of the guys who was blooded just the other week is actually Errol Goulden. So I think he's definitely worth talking about on this podcast because he had elite fantasy junior numbers and he's gone out and averaged a hundred over his first three games, at least in AFL fantasy. I think he's someone who. What more can he show you? He can't. I'm I'm thinking we should two G him right now. Because he's going to be, everyone, anyone's picked him up. There's no way you're going to get him off of him. He's probably going to get forward status uh, in the next yep. couple of weeks as well. Tick. Yep, I reckon he's a 2G. Oh, I agree with that. 2G, 4P. See you later, Errol. 
Cool, another one we don't have to talk about next week. This show might get a bit shorter. That might be good. Anyway, who else you got? I uh, just mentioned Braden Campbell. Clearly, he is sort of that quarterback for Sydney. Obviously, they still like to use it via Lloyd, but uh, they're always going to utilize that kick of Campbell. So, I think they'll try and get it in his hands. Might be sort of a 15-touch guy, but as we've seen, he's been able to find marks, which he wasn't able to in round one and two. So, he's averaged 5.5 marks per game since round two, which is which is a really good sign. And then finally, Jordan Dawson. I'm not sure if he's too good for the podcast. He is 2G4P. Yeah, yep. too good. Yep. So, uh, he, But he was a player who, who was really, really good on the weekend. All right. I'm actually going to hand over the Port Adelaide game to Louis, who is a, uh, a fellow Port Adelaide supporter, sits next to me at Adelaide Oval this season, which is uh, nice. We have a bit of bonding time, a bit of father-son time. You are using my um, you are using my son's uh, membership ticket. So, yep, yeah, I just yeah. realised how, realize how close the game is. We're I know. Watching I just as looked well. at it as well. So. five points the difference with one to 30 left. Sorry, and go on. We'll it's all through. good, boys. I haven't missed a minute, so. Yeah, no, we can tell. Your multitasking uh, skills are uh, unbelievable, Louis. You're a man of many talents. <laughs> Straight off the bat, we got Jackson Nelson, who was someone who we saw break into that uh, West Coast Eagles defence last year. And straight off the bat was actually able to show that he was able to find the footy and, and score a relatively good fantasy score. So, he had ten uncon- uh, nine uncontested marks, 10 marks total on the weekend. Really slots into that kick mark style of West Coast. Where, where do you see that going, Dossie? Yeah, Nelson's Nelson's a nice option. If it, it, It's the same deal as Gold Coast where... Anyone in your defensive line that's going to get on the back of some chip footy is going to be in good stead. And Jackson Nelson's in that category. I think the week before, he probably got a little bit affected because he had to go, and I can't remember what he actually scored uh, in round two. Might I don't know if it was poor or good, but he was tagging Bont for a little bit there. So, he was actually around the footy, and I don't know if that's his strength. So, he went back to play defense in this one. Played really good, 10 marks, as you said. Um yeah, like Jackson Nelson's showed a bit of fantasy game in the past. And the thing is as well, like you're going to have Hearn leave that defensive group. You're going to have yep, Shepard probably future, in the next couple it. of years as well. Hearn might be even next year. Shepard probably in the next two or three. So, he's going to be one of the main guys back there going forward. So, he's definitely one to invest in now because um, I can see him being a good fantasy scorer for sure. Let's move on to your next player, Lou. Yeah, so I got Liam Ryan who I think is a player that West Coast Eagles are trying to use uh, going inside the 50 and not so much a forward 50, uh, inside forward 50 threat. So clearly he uses the ball really well by foot. And we've actually seen that he's been pushing high up the ground and getting a lot of his touches sort of up at that halfback wing type uh, area and then going into the pretty much land of the giants in Darling, Josh Kennedy and Oscar Allen. Yeah. Well, we know he can take a mark as well. So, like, that's always going to be handy for his fantasy scoring. He's a player that I actually own at the moment in my keeper league, uh, my home league. And he's my he's my classic um, my classic loophole option generally. Like, I usually stick him on the forward. And if West Coast are playing on a Saturday, uh, which doesn't happen too often because I do play quite a few Sundays. But I just like to see how he goes because sometimes he can be a bit goal-dependent or he does have to take a few speckies here and there to get a decent score. But it seems like every second or third week he does put up something de- uh, decent. So, um, I think he's, like, yeah, a great streaming option or a loophole option just to have in your for sure. Um, Oscar Allen, Louis, uh, so you were impressed with his game on the weekend? Yeah, Oscar Allen's clearly being groomed as the next Josh Kennedy. I think that's pretty obvious. And he's in a really unique situation at the moment where he's playing pretty much third string to Darling and Josh Kennedy. And and then you throw in probably Cripps, who in terms of scoreboard impacts a little bit ahead of him. So he's taking the third to fourth best defender each week, as well as chopping out in the ruck. So I think he's in a niche little spot where Oscar Allen can sort of carve out an 80 average, at least for a little while until um, obviously opposition coaches start sort of tightening the screws on him. 
Look, he's a gun, and he, if we're talking about teams that are going to get the ball inside 50, and as you're saying, that's what they're trying to do, get it into the land of the Giants, uh, he's a guy that will pop on certain weeks and be another kind of – like he's not going to be a week-to-week proposition for your on-field. Um, but looking at – I mean, next week, Saints, Collingwood, I, th- I think Saints in particular, you're going to easily field him on that in that matchup and get a pretty good result. Look at his score this week as well, 60 points. He had five frees against – yeah, right. So that can easily be a, a field. And that's score. just a young Ruckman, probably, I'd, I'd suggest. Yeah, he's given up yeah. the contest. That's the thing. And they took Vardy out of the side this week as well because they're clearly going to use him as that pinch hit. So he gets that little bit of opportunity that we just talked about before. Yes, it doesn't equate always to great fantasy scoring, but he's someone I probably trust a bit more as like a genuine, well, not a genuine Ruckman, but someone who could play that genuine second Ruck role, I think, a bit easier as well. So, yeah. Any other players from West Coast, Lou? Uh, yeah, just mentioned Jared Brander, who obviously hasn't put too many AFL games together, but uh, he's... He sort of has played uh, in defence, up forward and a wing role. It looks like he's it's still going to be volatile, that role. But on the weekend, that was a bit of a breakout game for me. I don't know about you, Doss, but for him to be able to get two goals, find the ball, 21 touches, I haven't seen Jared Brander do that yet. Well, he's playing, he was playing a different role to what he played last year in that he was playing more forward as, and he seemed really comfortable at the level this week. Now... Optus, very wide open deck. They absolutely belted Port. Port weren't ready. Sorry, boys, but uh, <laughs> Port weren't quite ready for that right. um, that level of game. I think a few people pointed out they have just had a pretty weak run so far and th- they're going to be up to that standard later in the year. I just think it was kind of a bit of a surprise. We got out of the gates pretty early and it was sort of over by that point. I mean, Phil just didn't look like it was ready to play. So straight from the out of, out, straight out of the gates, they just weren't ready for the game. But I do think Roth, uh, sorry, I do think Brander sort of benefited from a pretty easy game from a, a uncontested mark perspective. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't again be jumping all over that straight away. But it's a good sign going forward for a young player. Yeah, that was the theme of this game. I think the West Coast players were just able to get uncontested marks at will because Port just refused to man up for some reason. So <laughs> my last uh, player mention was Josh Rotham. Uh, won't touch too much on him, but had the eleven marks as well. So moving on to Port Adelaide, uh, Willem Drew, who I've always been a fan of. I think he's shown something when he has gone up to AFL level. Uh, what he's been able to do in the first three games is quite impressive. He's sort of going at those 20 touches and, and really tackling. So he's going six, seven, eight tackles a game. Only concern is that he's got Rocky waiting in the wings. Yeah, it's um it, not just Rocky. I think SPP started uh, training SPP, this week. Yeah, yeah. Sam Powell Pepper started training this week as well, which is uh, concerning for Willem Drew. Look, yes, he can... I, I have concerns about his ceiling because I think he can go about the 80 average, but like he'll be a guy who gets 80 every week and never yeah, goes Yeah, and that's what I think he's at, that yeah. 80 to 90 average. Yeah, but definitely definitely concerns over his job security going forward. That's the only issue. But as an aging midfield, um, I guess you talk, you look at um, Robbie Gray doesn't go in there so much anymore, but Travis Boak's definitely getting on a bit. And uh, yeah, look, he could be one to come in as more of a regular in the future. But yeah, just for this season, probably just not as high on that's all. Orazio Fantasia is another one I want to talk about. Uh, I actually thought that this would be a game that Fantasia would really struggle in. So I yeah, thought, same. Obviously, I thought it would be a bit tighter, but the fact that we were smashed, or Port was smashed rather, and Orazio Fantasia was still able to dish up a 65, I think is really impressive. And just watching him, he was still able to push up high yep. at the ground and deliver inside 50, which is what we saw against those lesser teams in the first two rounds. So I've seen enough from Orazio to suggest that while Porter up and about, and especially when Porter winning games, he's going to be a player that's going to get you a 70, and on some days he's going to really push 100. Yep, I agree with all of that. You can uh, move on to the next guy. 
Uh, Stephen Motlop, clearly he's going to have, he's a bit of a downhill skier where he's going to have good games when Port are doing well. Yep. He's going to have poor games when Port don't. This was a clear reflection of that. So, uh, certainly stream him in good matchups, favorable matchups. If Port had a North again, for example, but yeah. if you're coming up against, uh, let's say Richmond this week, I'd probably be hesitant on him. Molop has been my stream, one of my streamer options for the last few weeks. So, and I think I did recommend that he would be a streamer option again this week. So it's probably, or sorry, loophole option more than anything. Um, so yeah, it's probably one that you do kind of play in these types of games, just see how he goes. And if he doesn't score well, it doesn't matter. You just bring someone else on. Any other mentions for uh, Port Adelaide? Yeah, another that surprised me in this game, just given historically his game style sort of hasn't lended itself to um, these sorts of games. And that's Carl Amon. He's clearly had a, an elevated role in this side and he's started Starting to attend some centre bounces and Porter really looking to get it in his hands to use his super left boot. So he had the eight marks and five tackles and what, what was a tough night. So I think that's really promising. I really like Carl Amon this year. I think he can average 90, maybe even 95 plus. Yeah, I agree. Um, I reckon he's a bit underrated, especially in that port side because there is a lot of stars in that midfield. But yeah, the fact that he's going a lot more inside now and he's becoming one of those genuine inside-outside players, he's a player you probably never would have expected him to do it. But uh, yeah, look, I think he's one of your great... Like for me, I've got him as like my last midfield option in a lot of my leagues and he's perfect for that role. Like someone who gets you 95 is like your mid... We only play mid six mids in our league. But as your mid six, uh, yeah, I'm more than happy with that for sure. And finally, I'll just touch on Mitch Georgiatis, who uh, probably a little bit like Oscar Allen, he's in that sweet spot where he's playing that third tall role and, and being able to find a bit of space up the ground. So I don't mind him as a streaming option. I'm not, I'm not sure how relevant it is in a keeper league perspective, but uh, he's a player for the future to keep an eye out on. No, I reckon, I reckon the same thing. Like, he's going to be a player that will get on the back at the end of the, a few goals. He'll get a lot. I don't think he'll ever be like the number one tall target as well. So he won't get as much attention as some of the other players do. So, um, yeah, no, I'm big on Mitch Georgiatis just with his, um, athletic ability as well. He'll, he'll be in that Josh Bruce versus the Norton. He'll get that yeah. defender and, and he will have those games where he can kick a few. I mean, he got what 91 the week before. It was just, it wasn't the matchup that we thought it was going to be Port West Coast as a West Coast man myself. Uh, and uh, pretty happy with that, boy. You didn't expect that one, Dossie? Oh, well, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, neither do I. Well, not at all. Being a Port supporter, I do get. I'm, I'm not. I, I kind of just kind of expect Port to disappoint me. I get this you kind of feeling. Doubt, yeah, it's in it's my gut, the, and I've just felt like this doubt, was. Yeah, yeah I felt like this was one of those. And weeks. That was the same on my end, except yeah. we got the chocolate this time. Well, just thinking like we come up against two shit sides. I was like, we're just going to roll in this and think it's going to happen easy, and that's just what it looked like. Anyway, uh, Dossie, you've got a million Essendon players to uh, talk about, so we better get through those quickly. I sure do. A lot of young guns coming up, but yeah, like I said, it's it's lucky K's isn't here because there was. A lot to talk about in this blowout, which shocked us probably more than anything, which if you look on paper, though, probably shouldn't have been as surprising how poor St. Kilda have been this season. But five scores over 110 for Essendon, so pretty hard just to pick a few players to talk about. But first one I want to talk about, not one of the biggest scorers in this game, but one I want to really touch on is Nick Cox, top 10 draft pick, and I'm giving him unicorn status just off the gates because a guy that is 200 centimetres and given a wing roll, first of all, I love it from Rutten. I just think a lot of coaches wouldn't have had the balls to do that. And granted, he's in a rebuild, so it's a bit easier to do something like that. Given a guy the role that he's you know born to play, I guess, despite the fact that he doesn't fit the mould, I just love that from a coach. I love that from a rebuild. And he's going to get a lot of time 
in a good spot to learn running patterns. 75 points, 17 disposals at 88% efficiency and one in particular highlight play. A lot of people pointed out with him just bursting out and lacing someone out. He's a guy that I want to buy and stash. I don't think he's going to be a fieldable option every week. I think he's got he's got uh, some weird status out there, maybe a forward defender kind of thing. Uh, I, th- I thought he was just forward for now. Forward for now. Yeah, but yeah. yeah he's going to be a forward mid. Um, yeah. He'll get mid DPP because he's playing wing. And he actually played ruck late in the game when it was over. The game was over. He, he jumped in to chop out for Peter Wright. Could that be a role that he plays in the future at 200 centimetres with his athleticism? Just stash this guy. He, he's going to be a gem. Yeah, I, I agree to an extent. I just worry because he's that height. You know, 200 centimetres, I know that you get some good ruckmen out there, but there's not a lot that height that do turn out to be good fantasy scorers purely because they're used, you know, sometimes can be used, I guess, in roles where you're playing key forward and stuff like that. But, you know, we're seeing the game changing a bit, so it could be a bit different now. The fact that he's playing on the wing has that athletic ability and shows he can kind of roll around. Like, look at someone like Jack Lacocious as well. Someone you kind of earmark to be a, uh, a key defender or a key forward their whole career, comes out and does what he does on a halfback, then can push up on a wing. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that he can do this is really good science for uh, Cox. For sure. And the fact that he's good, ball, good ball user at that height exactly. is just an amazing sign. And yep. like I said, I just I just jump on. Not many guys have this to the, have these strings to their bows at two hundred centimeters, and that gives him unicorn status. So anyone that's a unicorn for me, you want to stash away in your team in case something special happens in the future. All right, keep moving, Dossie. Braden Ham. Braden Ham's my second guy here. Um, just showed some more signs than what I thought he was going to be doing at the level. Um, a big game, career high in disposals. Bit of a slight bit of observable thirst. Really wanted to get his hands on the Sharon. So, Brayden Ham, any interest from you guys? I think this is probably more of a long-term stash as well, just another young player. Yeah, I haven't seen enough of him yet to make a call. What do you reckon, Lou? Uh, he clearly had a bit of a midfield role in the preseason. Uh, he's probably someone, yeah, keep an eye on. Put on a heap of size in the offseason. Um, Jake Stringer. I think if we thought Dugowie was going to benefit from the rules, this guy, and and he hasn't, by the way, (laughs) but Jake Stringer is a guy that can get on the back of a bunch of bags. He had 65 in the first half, and I reckon there was about four snags to his name at that point as well. Just cruised to a 78 when the game was over. Didn't didn't look to be trying to heat when the game was in the bag already. Uh, He is a guy that... I'm kind of tempted just to just to float you maybe a waiver out there for him and just see how we go for a few weeks and see if these these new rules opening it up because we talk about guys that are complete mismatches down forward. He is a complete mismatch in a forward line. I just worry that the ball's not going to be down there enough for Essendon this year, especially, and then going forward, where does he sit in their development? That's all. The thing is, when the ball's not forward, he still gets a bit of mid time. So yeah, he, he might be safe if it's if it's not getting forward, he's going to play mid. If it's forward, he's going to play forward and kick some snags. We've just seen him play the, that kind of role though for a couple of years now, and it just hasn't been. I know, yeah. but the, he's one that I think the new rules will benefit. That that's mainly the reason. All right. Cool. So, I will definitely keep an eye on him for sure. And just to mention a couple of guys that are – this guy's 2G for P, I'm assuming. But, I mean, Darcy Parrish with 117, 10 clearances. Yeah, he's way 2G. Way 2G. But, I mean, he's got the midfield role while Caldwell, Sheila are out. Um, if you do have him in your keeper team, though, you might want to maybe wait till the end of this run happens and sell high. Yeah, for is, sure. Is what I'd say because these other guys are going to take it back as we've seen so many times. Archie Perkins – um, probably keep a coach as a cane on him. I own him in my league, so I'm pretty happy with him. Looked really good from a uh, footy IQ perspective. Just got in the right spots a lot of times and had that second effort where 
Um, he got the first touch or maybe he missed that first touch, but he waited around. He got in the right spot and got it back. Really keen for him long-term. He's not going to score you much this year. He looked like he lacked a bit of the tank too and he only had the 68% time on ground. Definitely a long-term hold in your dynasty leagues. And Peter Wright, um, he had that ruck roll with uh, with Draper going down. Really impressive to get five centre clearances though. Uh, that's an awesome number from a ruck. So, can he replicate that against uh, a more accomplished hit-out ruckman in Tom Hickey next week? We'll see. We'll see. Um, he doesn't have ruck status yet, I don't think, in ultimate footy, but he'll get that. Um, so, he could be an option um, for you to look at. And then the other one I'd like to look at is just Mason Redmond. I think he could be a buy-low opportunity given his injured hamstring early. He had a really good week, 92 against Port, and then he got injured with 39% time on ground with a 49. If you're a struggling team and you keep it and you want to stash someone for later in the year, Mason Redmond could be a really nice option for defence. Just two things on Redmond, I guess. Uh, his kind of numbers have been buoyed since Heppel has been out as well. That's Yeah, okay, that's fair. And the other thing with uh, that, though, with Redmond's injury, just get on board Nick Hyde. That's all. Yeah, Nick Hyde and, and Heppel for that matter. If, yep. if he's av- Well, he wouldn't be available, but he's going to get defensive yep. status. Yeah, exactly. Uh, St Kilda. Ball use is just terrible at the moment. 73% efficiency as a team in this one. And they're going at 70% for the season. That's dead last yeah. in the league. So, advice, just stream intercept defenders against the Saints right now. Um, we saw Ridley and Aaron Francis have a field day in this one. I'm not, I, don't, I didn't talk about Aaron Francis. I think this was purely based on the St. Kilda ball use that he absolutely popped. Um, so, they both- Aaron Francis nearly squeezed out a ton. So, that's easy points until they can fix their ball use. So, stream your intercept defenders next week against the Saints and until we figure out what's going on. Gresham, out for the season with an Achilles. Poor one out for the for the great man, Gresh. <laughs> um, and Zach Jones looked to be injured as well. So, potentially some opportunities for mid-time. One of the guys I want to talk about, potentially a like-for-like for, like for Gresh, Jack Higgins um, started actually at the centre bounce, the opening centre bounce. He definitely played a bit more forward as, as things went on, but I'd like to check out his CBA's uh, numbers, actually. Check that out at uh, keeperleaguepod.com.au, Hef. <laughs> check him out this week. We'll uh, have a look at those in great depth. He scored 90, though, played awesome, um, and playing a bit more guts. Three snags, though, so is, he's not 2G for P yet, is he? No, nah, absolutely not. So, jump it. on Higgins. I reckon he's a great he's a great player. Obviously, you're probably not going to get a bilo now after 90, but... Um, Jump on board, Jack Higgins for mine. Uh, Hunter Clark, what's going on here, guys? Well, Louis. him, oh, him and Caulfield, really. Yeah, that's, that's two places. These are two guys I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Low time and ground for Hunter Clark, and just low scores for Caulfield. Two guys I'm buying low on because I think their talent is remarkable. But what's going on, Louis? Do you think? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's got something to do with role because we did see Hunter Clark play midfield in round one. Actually, played quite well, and now. Two rounds later, he's sort of been pigeonholed back into that half-back role, which uh, is induces of fantasy scoring, but we probably don't see the the floor that we want from him. It just hasn't been great for him, though, in the past. Like, generally, it is a good role, but for someone like um, Hunter uh, Clark, it's like it's just never been a good role for him. And I think then, and then the fact that he's back there is affecting Cotfield as well, and it's kind of just shredding, you know, um, sharing the load between the two of them. And it's, um, yeah, it's just not working out at the moment. So I think that St Kilda, as a, as in the football sense, just need to find a way to utilise both of these players because it's just not happening for him at the moment. And the scores, like on the weekend, are showing that. 
Yeah, and we've seen that they've been they've struggled to actually use Brad Hill, who they brought over on 900k a season and his foot use. So for them to be able to find two more, three more in the defensive line, I don't know. I just think Saints are a little bit off in their ball movement. Yeah, yeah. So just looking at the numbers from from 2020, they were fourth in marks, and that probably helps that they weren't absolutely last in ball use. They were sort of in that range of. They finished 12th, but they were only a few percentage points off being sort of top five. So, from going fourth in the AFL in marks last year, they've gone way down in marks this year, down to 16th. Yeah. So, that that's something that we just have to keep an eye on. If they can improve that, that's why you buy low on these guys. Yeah. It could just be a result of, um, you know, Saints would always like to switch the ball and chip around a lot in their back line. It could just be a result of trying to get as forward as quickly as possible. As well, and just kind of skipping these players. Yeah, I, I think just the ball use as well. They're not getting the marks. They're not holding yeah. on to possession. They're that's turning true. it straight back over to the opposition. Yeah. Um, that's what I'd be worried about. And just one more player to mention, um, Dan Butler. I spoke about him before. I think um, those those crumbing forwards are in a bit of trouble right now. The, the players like your Texas and, and even guys like his teammate here, Membry, they're just getting space to operate. Yeah. They're taking the mark. The ball's not falling to the ground for guys like Dan Butler, and he's probably the epitome of how bad he's doing because he's he's 35 over the first three games this year and 19 points in this one. Yikes. Yeah, all right. So, moving on to the next one here, and this is Carlton Fremantle. Now, just just to let you guys, you listeners know, we're, we're burning through the next few games very quickly because we've taken way too long to get through the, the pod so far. So, Carlton Fremantle, stream intercept defenders against Fremantle. They're terrible disposals inside 50. So, Liam Jones, Doherty, Plowman, etc. dominated in this game. So, just look at that going forward in your keeper leagues. Um, also, key forwards versus Freo. All their key defenders are out and McKay, McKay, Harry McKay in this one had an absolute field day. So, he's an option to field when he's got a juicy matchup. If Carl, Carlton get their ball movement right again, you know, he might be like the other key forwards we're talking about and a genuine field war option week to week um and just rucks are carving every week versus pit net so jump on board those players as well and maybe even a cheeky burgess next week can get on chrissy burgess as a defender option um i'll go through these players though quickly Lockie fogarty dominated hashtag 2g for p soon yeah hasn't done quite enough yet but uh yeah yeah we'll keep monitoring he's carving junior numbers off the charts so one to really watch um harry mckay you got and louis interested in mckay as an option in keepers um yeah i am he's quite a young key position forward so yeah i like him uh jack silvani as well 78 points i've been a fan of him for a while still only 23 years old talking about those guys like the d max that get up the ground and get those marks he's one to really um, monitor now um patty dow um Fremantle. um <laughs> let's uh let's uh yeah try i, yeah. I kind of wanted to hear you make an excuse for patty dow but uh well i did want to quickly make an excuse that he only played 70 top 70 percent time ground as usual and if you add up all the times that he had a tackle that should have been holding the ball. I think there was two tackles that should have been holding the ball. That's an extra plus three, plus four because you get the kick. So that's two plus fours. He should have got a free kick for high <laughs> against Sean Darcy. So he should have we had like 45 that. instead of 33. He should have had about a 55 okay. in 70% time on ground. Can I just mention to that's the listeners- fine. I'm Should have had an 80 in the VFL, I think. I'm officially jumping off Paddy Dow train right yeah, now. Doss is, Doss is staying, but I'm jumping off. I'm I don't leaving. know what your swearing policy on this is, Hef, <laughs> but 
I was never on it. Never on it. <laughs> get out. Just get out. We don't want you on Paddy Dow Peninsula. You, you're kicked off and you're never welcome back. All right, keep moving on. Fremantle. Uh, Michael Frederick really looks like a good player. I'd jump on board right now. He kicked one goal four in this one in a blowout as well. So, to manage to get that many scoring opportunities, his time on ground bumped up in this one. I'd really um, look at prioritizing him as a pickup. 77. Um, fieldable option as well and future start at just 20 years old Heath Chapman another really young player 73 despite three frees against so um, he he ticks all the boxes for 18 disposals four marks six tackles a really good spread with Hayden Young out as well he's going to get some more cheapies down back get on board Heath Chapman and especially as a long-term prospect in your keeper teams and Stefan Gyro just an interesting one scored 88 eight marks uh, two seasons removed from an ACL injury I don't know if I'm jumping on board yet, but um, a speculative ad nonetheless. Just quickly, Sean Darcy, um, probably no, he's moved right back into um, on the pod calculations after probably being off it if you guys did a podcast back when he was booming. But um, he looked awesome moving around up forward. So I'd, I'd be buying stonks in, uh, in Sean Darcy. Also buying stocks in Caleb Sarong while his time on ground's low. He was in the right spots, just just didn't get this game together and got a bit heckled as well um, by the opposition. So, I think he'll be right back into the into the thick of things soon. Paddy Cripps just lifting him off the ground by his shirt. I thought that was quite funny. Just the fact he's in it amongst that though, you love that. Absolutely. Um, just buy low if you can. If people are keen to get off Sarong, jump on. All right. Uh, I had a look at the GWS Melbourne game. I'll just talk about a few players quickly. So, Isaac Cumming had 91 points, 20, uh, 27 disposals for the game. That's 17 kicks and 12 handles. Just showing us what he can do given the opportunity. Um, been in and out of the side. Well, I guess he was injured for a lot of last season or a fair chunk of it, but then found himself out of the side. But uh, when every time he's come in, he's shown some potential. So I think Isaac Cumming is definitely one that could turn into a primo defender, if not this year, probably in future. He's going to get plenty of opportunity. The ball's going to be down there a bit for GWS by the looks as well. So I'll get on board Isaac Cumming now, I reckon. Uh, Lockie Ash as well, kind of like a partner in crime. He also had 91 points. And this is his best fantasy um, performance to, uh, to date. Young player in his second uh, year. I think we can uh, expect big things from him. Might take another year or two but I think he's a gun in the making especially coming from his underage pedigree um, Matthew Flynn had 78 points just rucking against Gorn and Jackson I thought that was a really good return I just like I'm just a little bit concerned about how the dynamic works because I know Proust is a long way away but when he does come back it's going to be hard to kind of know how they're going to fit together and how the scoring is going to work especially in terms of fantasy so I guess the big question is what we need to think about now is he's someone we could probably sell high on right now if you've got other ruck options in your team because you probably didn't draft him as your ruck one not in uh, a keeper league anyway you kind of took him later as I speculated to see how he goes so he might be someone you could actually sell a bit high on now um, but for the time being if you do need to hold him and you are playing him on your side he's not the worst ruck option going around and uh, Connor Iden had 74 points and which was a decent return probably plays just a little bit too defensive for my liking but he's handy bench cover for now um, we'll talk about some Melbourne players Jake Lever he had 94 points. Uh, he was playing on Keefe, so was just allowed to kind of run off him and get kicks. Uh, had 17 kicks on the back of that, eight marks as well. Um, like I keep saying, just keeps uh, loopholing these key defender options because he's a good one that can get uh, uh, get a decent score every now and then. James Jordan had 76 points, um, and he only had 70, 66% time on ground. Um, so just don't be too concerned with the lowest score. I'm not actually sure what it was in previous weeks if he was just a low, on t- um, low time on ground player, but this just shows you how much of a gun he can be because he can still score okay from that short amount of time on field so 
was forward a bit late too as well. So I think Melbourne just might be a bit, being a bit conservative with him for now. But he's definitely going to be a gun of the future. And uh, speaking of gun of the future, the last player for Melbourne I'm going to talk about is Trent Rivers. So he only had 69 points, which isn't huge, but he just has a nice role for fantasy running off that halfback line. Had 16 disposals, 10 kicks and 6 handles. Also had 6 marks back there as well. Another one of those players, um, just you need to get on board for the future because he's going to have a very nice role going forward. Um, the Geelong Hawthorne game has just finished uh, at uh, Doss's Den. Um, so uh, we don't have a lot of analysis and we weren't paying heaps of attention to the second half. Well, Stewie was. Uh, Louis was. No, Louis Stewie. seemed to be paying more, 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 more. more. <laughs> Cut, Stewie. <laughs> uh, uh, Stewie, Louis over there, was uh, probably paying a bit more attention to us. Any uh, score that pops out for you in terms of keeper leagues there for either Geelong or Hawthorne there, Louis? Uh, I assume Mark O'Connor's not 2G no, for P. So he's, 10 points. Yeah, he's clearly got a role in that midfield as long as he's a tagger. So I think that he's someone... He looks really good. So yeah, he's, he's someone that too. can potentially go 80, 90. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that taggers have actually been somebody, bar probably Brian Crowley, who was a bit more focused on stopping. We've seen that taggers have been able to score when they're tagging good players. So I don't mind Mark O'Connor. And then we'll go one more from uh, Hawthorne, uh, Jack Scrimshaw, or even Chang Kuth. Gath, uh, very good on that half back line with all the injuries with Sicily, Day, um, obviously Stratton not being there this year as well. So I think that they're standing up and their scoring moving forward is going to reflect that. Grant yep. Myers for me is just a perennial keeper league type. He's never going to be 2G4P, but pops up with scores like 82 like this. So I don't mind him as an option as a, as a forward, especially this year with the scarcity of him. Uh, kicked, uh, kicked a goal as well. And he does work pretty high up the ground to get uh, possessions as well. Doss, you sounded like you had a play you want to talk about. Oh, just Jarman Impey as well as a forward. Um, he, he's coming into calculations as one of the better forwards this year. So, you know, he, even though he's not uh, 2G4P, as a defender, he certainly is as a as a forward potentially this this for this purely this season. All right, uh, we'll move on uh, to the projections. Oh, and Maxi Holmes, my boy. Oh, sorry, yeah, we got Max, to talk Maxie about Holmes. Holmes. Get on board, uh, according to Dos. Uh, we'll move on to the the projections in a second, but just uh, on the membership. So, if you appreciate the work we uh, put into bringing this podcast each week, uh, please consider becoming a member. Uh, you, if you sign up as a member, you get uh, weekly waiver wire podcast projections, uh, state league fantasy scores, um, weekly updates of the breakout tracker. All of this by becoming a member. And then I think last year as well, a lot of people were a bit uh, hesitant to sign up because because we ended all the memberships at October 30th. wasn't a good time of the year to sign up, but now we do a yearly subscription. So if you sign up now, you get access to all the preseason stuff uh, next year, which is the best stuff uh, to get you ready for your drafts and gets you off to a really uh, on the right foot for your Keeper League teams, um, especially if you're setting one up for the first time. So each week we uh, read out five gold members' names. So thank you to Benjamin Tyrrell, David Singleton, Declan Power, Tom Pettigrew, and Dave Quinlan. All right, on to the projections. Um, so, Dossie and I have sat down this week. Louis is going to take a bit of a backseat. He might chime in if he's got a few there. Um, but, uh, yeah, the projections where we pick a captain that isn't in the top 10 captain options. Um, we got a loophole option, so a player that you stick on your bench and uh, he plays in the first five games, sorry, the first four games of the round and bring him on if he's scoring, if he scored well. Uh, streamer, which is a player that's not really started in many leagues, but we think he's going to, he's got a good matchup. And a waiver, someone who's under uh, 45%. Oh, sorry, under 65% owned, who we think is a good pickup for your side. Uh, Dossie, who's your captain option this week? Captain option, I'm going 
I've got two quick ones. Tex yep. for the bag. Obviously, he's going to kick against North. You can't stop the big man. You can't stop the great man. Uh, and Tim Kelly and Dom Sheed versus the woeful Saints at the moment. You know, they might pick up their game, but until we see otherwise, they are one of the easiest midfields to score against. Uh, with Shuey out again with the string as well, they're two pretty easy captaincy options, you'd think. Mine this week is uh, Tim Taranto. So, he had 127 last week, averaged 101 at the MCG. Uh, last time I played Collingwood, he had 122 BCV as well. So, and I think Canelio out now as well. He's the main man oh, yeah. in the middle. He's back. Get He's killing it. Tim Taranto. Uh, what about a loophole option there, Dossie? Yeah, well, I spoke about him in my section. I think I cheated and did that for one other thing as well here. But Jake Stringer, um, just because he's playing the early game and if he – it's a Sydney defense, so it's pretty hard. You don't really want to start him on field, I don't think, taking on those guys in the early game. Um, pretty tough, tough ask. But the gut feel is that the package is running hot here, F. The package is on, and uh, I reckon he could snag a few, maybe get you a really nice score. So just just loop to be safe. Yeah, mine's a safety loophole as well, Josh Bruce. So he came off a huge game last week, 150 scored. Um, not sure if he just backs up in Ballarat. It's a kind of windier ground. It doesn't really, you know, not a lot of shelter there. It doesn't really support the key forwards um, typically. Uh, but also he's playing on the, probably the best fullback in the competition as well. If he goes to him, he might after last week. So, um, yeah, I'd loop him just in case he doesn't go as well this week. Uh, streamer, for me, I've got Paul Steesman. So he's only started in 49% of uh, – Teams that he's owned in last week. Uh, last week, so he has a nice role on the wing. Had eighty nine last week. He's averaging eighty for the year. Averages seventy eight against North. Um, North Melbourne are kind of giving up a lot more points than they previously have as well, or you know, similar amounts anyway. I just think keep streaming him for the time being, especially if he's your last midfield option. You could do a lot worse in keeper leagues. Um, what about you? Uh, well, similar to my St Kilda call before, um, with the West Coast captains there and, and taking on the midfield, who's been poor. Uh, for scores against. This one is due to that low efficiency I was talking about. Uh, we saw Ridley and Francis have 17 intercepts and 20 marks between them on the weekend. That's huge. So, this will be a field day for the Eagles. And Jeremy McGovern, who was only 50% started, and Tom Barras, who he, he was higher started, but he had a lockdown role against Port on the weekend and it didn't really come down there a heap. So, those two guys, I'm really keen to stream them this week. All right, and the waiver wire pickup of the week uh, for each of us. I've got Devin Robertson. Um, he's only 40% owned. He'll be a lot higher after this week. Had 93 on the weekend. Underage fantasy jet. Just get on board and hope he can hold his spot for this season. But if not, he's going to be a gun for the future. So just get on board. It's an easy one. Um, Michael Frederick and Heath Chapman were the two that I talked about. But one guy I didn't talk about, um, Cozzy Pickett. Gee, he's electric. And uh, I don't mind him as a stash, as a pickup and stash, because people are going to get on board due to the highlights. But yep. man, he might be a nice scorer down the road. He's just a really good player. All right. Before we uh, move on to the listener questions, I've just got an Apple review here. Uh, this one's from Culpit381. Uh, he gave us five stars and he said, Fantasy Gold, the boys bring a wealth of fantasy footy uh, knowledge in a fun and easy listening manner with some competitive banter. I don't even own a Keeper League team, but I find all the content to be absolutely relevant to AFL uh, Fantasy Classic and a great recess. Uh, resource, sorry, not at school right now. Um, listening to these lads uh, has convinced me next year I'll be starting a Keeper League.
And we're finally on to the listener questions. We're only at about 77 minutes of recording time before edit, so it's not too bad. We've powered through. So we'll try to do the same with the uh, listeners. So um, at Todd Goldman 84 um, I've lost Gresham Cogs this week on top of Caldwell oh. last week. Um, any under-the-radar mids spring to mind? Uh, Louis, you got any in, in your head? Yeah, so probably a James Rowbottom from Sydney is someone I'd be looking at. He hasn't played this year yet, but uh, will come in. Uh, I think he's fully fit now, so he should come in. And what we saw last year is that he's able to attend most centre bounces an average sort of 70-plus. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that one. Uh, what about you, Dossie? Uh, long term, a couple of guys that could be back in the team uh, within the next few weeks. I actually probably should check the injury report on this one. But Dan Hanbury, um, to replace the the injured Gresham, just almost a like for like. They need someone to go in there. I did think Higgins will go in there as well, but they sort of go with that spread in the midfield. Maybe a Dan Hanbury comes into the team when he's uh, fit. Also, Dylan Stephen, the uh, another player that's just forgotten at Sydney. I think he'll be really a guy that should benefit from the new rules, running out on a wing, elite endurance. Just a bit weird that he's not getting selected at the moment. And if you want to sort of play a long game, wait until he sort of gets selected in that high-octane Sydney team, I'd uh, I'd get around Dylan Stevens as a, sorry. as a buy low. I think some of the kids have just come on the scene and just powered ahead, especially because he was injured for a bit of the preseason as well. I think the injury in the preseason, I think people are underrating that. He, he's He's got to be best 22. He showed great signs last year. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but he was emergency this week, and I think if there was if there was VFL, he'd be playing there at the moment. So, interesting. Uh, mine was just uh, Paul Seisman. I think he's uh, just not owned in a lot of leagues as well, so he can get you a decent score. Um, at Analysis Footy, he wants to know, who do you think will get DPP for round three? Uh, he's got Taranto, question mark, Bergman, and Peter Wright. So let's uh, answer those first. Um, Taranto, do you think he's going to get DPP? Uh, no, I don't after last game. So Cogs yeah. went down, DeBoer went down, and Taranto pretty much played midfield from that point on. In Ultimate Footy, which is like our main platform that people play, I, they, I still look at him as a midfielder. I don't look at him as a forward, and that's kind of how they kind of determine it. It's not about stats. It's more of about the kind of feel on what type of player he is and what they feel the type of player it is. I still think he's a, he's a midfielder for mine. Uh, what about Bergman? Can he get defender status, uh, Dossie? Oh, I think he should. I yeah, mean, it's, it's been his only position that he's played when he's played at the level and he's only had the one one game where he didn't play and he was still the sub. So, yeah, I, th- I think that he's got enough evidence to show he's going to be a defender. And the third question was Peter Wright. Um, I, I'm assuming they mean Ruck's status. Uh, I think the, because he only really rucked for one game, they're still going to have to wait and see on that yeah, one. He'll be around six or won't he? Unless, unless they just go on gut feel because um, – yeah. He'll be ruck. We know he's going to play. He ruck has for been the next rucking in round one and two, so it might be a bit of a 50-50 call. He has but been certainly by round should, six, I reckon he should get it. Okay, yeah. So he might get it as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, because a lot of the time the chop out guy doesn't always get. Okay. yeah, the ruck for their added status because he was pure ruck this round. Though he might be. That's what I mean. But I think I think they might might wait another three weeks, but we'll wait and see. Um, a few others they uh, we just kind of discussed before the pod. Uh, we think Hind will get uh, back status. Siebel back status. Golden four status. And a top six forward. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Heppel, actually, yeah, that's going to be pretty handy for coaches on him. But, uh, yeah, Heppel back status. Dacos forward status is a big chance. So, wait and see what happens there. Uh, Louis, you had Lockie Hunter as a potential forward status. Yes, right? he's been the obvious one so far who's been Pushed squeezed out. into that sort of forward line. And yep. 
Uh, I'm not sure what his splits are. I just know that when I see Lockie Hunter on the screen, he's not on a wing and he's up at a half forward flank or even a forward pocket. Yeah, well, they rocked with um, Lockie Hunter. Uh, sorry, they rocked with Adam Trelaw on the wing and Bailey Smith on the other one for a bit there and it kind of squeezed him forward. I think he does get some rotations on there, but you're right. He, prob- he might get enough to get the forward status, which would be awesome for Lockie Hunter. Uh, Mark Murphy, he's been kicking a few goals and sitting up forward for large periods of the games. He's someone who could get that. You had a take on Lazaro, Doss. Yeah, Charlie Lazaro, um, I'd be hoping as a as a uh, keeper coach that he just gets that forward status so that potentially he's fieldable later in the year when they start running him through the midfield. So, your hope is that Lazaro does get a bit of a forward status. That's where he's been playing a little bit at the moment. And then what your hope would be is that later on in the year when they sort of turn things around, they don't want to just run the the old bulls in there. They give the young bucks a bit more of a go. Uh, Lazaro sort of busts a gut and maybe averages you, you know, possibly an 80 or something on the stretch home, which could be a nice little score at your F6. Yeah, I don't mind that take there, Dossie. Thanks for that one. Uh, at AJS Hawker asks, 12-team uh, league, keep 13. Would you trade for Finlay McRae? Already have plenty of youth like Rao, Powell, Campbell, Golden, Parfit, Stevens, Day, hashtag too much, <laughs> question mark. Is it, if you're rebuilding, you can't have too much, I don't reckon. Depends what you give up for Finlay McRae. You're a Finlay McRae fan, aren't you, Doss? Oh, I mean, yeah, we haven't seen him at AFL level, yeah. but I've certainly watched a bit of uh, grainy tape uh, from the from the old NAB League days. And, yeah, he, he looks the real deal, especially on the team that he was on. It was a stacked um, underage team, and he was he was one of the younger – or he was a year younger than all the other guns, and he still looked really up to the level. Um, there's probably some footage now of him playing at, at VFL level, so you'd probably go have a look at that before making a judgment. But it sounds like he's one of the better VFL players for Collingwood. So I'd get on board and – um, if you can, and I mean, look, you've even though we mentioned Dylan Stevens as a guy that's uh, not getting a gig right now, you know, I mean, Finlay McRae should get a gig. You want to stack as many of those as you can because you, you you might not end up keeping some of these guys if they're not looking like they're going to get a gig. Oh, it purely for me just depends what you have to give up to get him, and hopefully it's not too much right now. Um, at is Pepsi okay? Uh, what the fuck is wrong with Warple? Well. Where do we start, Lou? You've got a take on Warple. Yeah, so I'm not sure that there's anything necessarily wrong with Warple. It's just that he's not in great form at the moment. So uh, it's probably the opposite to what we saw in the preseason. Obviously, there was no titch, but uh, he was buzzing around those games and getting those cheap little plus sixes and and being that sort of outlet handball. But uh, we haven't seen that yet. I don't know if he's just adjusting to the new game style. Given the sort of player he is, maybe it takes a little bit more movement. But I think um, that's the issue for mine. Just he seems to be like a very contested type player, and a player that really thrives on you know repeat stoppages and things like that. Tackle, lock it in, you know, get a kick out, that sort of stuff. There, those kind of opportunities just aren't coming around as much for Warple. So that's my take. But he is a really young player, so yeah. if anybody has a chance to adapt to Tim, he's. I think he's only going into his fourth year now, so uh, I'd still be quite high on James Warple. All right, at Carla Guy asks, um, happy Easter, guys. Sinclair, drop or keep? And what are his DPP prospects? He hasn't reached the heights I'd hoped and not sure he's worthy of fielding anymore or even a spot on my list. Would appreciate your thoughts. Cheers. Uh, Dossie, you watched the St. Kilda game on the weekend. What do you think on this one? Well, you're looking at a team where... We had guys like Hunter Clark, 58, Nick Coffield, 58, Seb Ross, who's been tunning up, 53, Brad Hill, 52. Yeah. So, Sinclair got 47. I think just the Saints at the moment are just absolute crap. Um, you hope that they bounce back. 
you might want to wait and, and see if Sinclair's going to be good in a better system where they're actually marking the ball and using it better. But, yeah, I mean, what what are we basing Sinclair's big breakout on one game? That one game in the preseason. Jump off, mate, and yeah. see if you can get anything for him if, if anyone's keen. Yeah, I think that's probably the best option. Uh, showed a bit of promise early, but just hasn't delivered, and I don't think he's going to anytime soon. Um, at Isaac underscore WF, uh, what's caused Fogarty's increase in scoring, and is it sustainable to field it? Um, I've also got Warner and Dylan Moore vying for that last forward spot. Is he the real deal Deal this season? Also asks uh, Dino0346. Uh, Louis, Fogarty, what's caused his increase and uh, is he the real deal? Yeah, we need it. You guys need it all. We all need to be pods that call him Fogarty. Fogarty? It's, it's Fogarty. Okay. For the lock. Right. We need to be right. We need to be correct on this pod. So, Fogarty's increase in scoring has simply just come from opportunity. So, he didn't have it at Geelong. Obviously, he was never going to fit in to that midfield group. So, he's gone over to Carlton. He's not attending a heap of centre bounces, but he is attending a few. And uh, as a junior, he clearly showed he was able to find the footy. He had elite junior numbers. So, he's kind of playing that hybrid forward slash midfield role. I really like his chances. He can average 80 this year. Yeah, and I think the other thing as well, he was just always been an elite tackler as well. And he's because he's getting that opportunity in the midfield, he's getting more opportunities to actually lay those tackles. And that's he's scoring a you know good chunk. I think it's seven on the on the weekend for Carlton. I think that was game high for uh, Carlton as well. So yeah, I think he's just got a bit about game. him, doesn't yeah. he? All right, we'll move on to the next question. Uh, at Nick Thompson fifty five, the majority of my keeper league is strongly opposed to the captain and bench loopholes. What are your arguments for and against uh, being able to utilize these? For mine, I, it doesn't matter as long as you all have the same opportunity. So I think the Thursday night lockout. Um, if you lock out the you know the Friday game or I think an ultimate footy, it's the first Saturday game. I think that sucks because it all depends on um, who you've got playing or you know who's on what team and who's playing on the fixture with the rolling lockout though everyone gets pretty much equal opportunity or close enough to equal opportunity to loophole so I think it's fine um, I was opposed to it once upon a time but also with the team announcements as well it makes it very hard to not play uh, a rolling lockout and then obviously allow for loopholes as well do you guys want to add anything else to that or can we move on I, I never like bench loopholes but it's mainly because I, I got so many teams to check that I get yeah. disadvantage for people that are smart enough to do it like I don't really have a problem but I, I do get I personally have got disadvantage so many times from loopholes so as, the, as the a thing guy with that the doesn't team, do it the, rather, the rolling team sheets and this sort of stuff is it no, no offense, Dossie, but it benefits the more dedicated fantasy it players. Does. No, so, it does, and the yeah. fact that you, if you nail down your teams to only having a couple of draft leagues, yeah. you, you're going to be much more. Yeah, you're going to be better off. And, and people that do it, it's good on them because you, you, yeah, you're taking full advantage of what's there. Just so many them. people are complaining about like having to check their teams and stuff. Like, well, don't play. Yeah, like that's it, yeah, fantasy's the best. No, I respect like, people. Yeah. I got done in the pro keeper league this week, and yeah. there was two great loopholes where I got done with a 79 in a defense and 90 something up forward. Yep. He checked his team and he did that early, and he knew which loopholes to do. So yeah. good on him. Yeah, but fair enough. All right. Uh, at Adam John underscore 94, Jack Lakosha should be trying to offload for a good deal. Could be losing defender status next season given the wing role. What do you guys think? I personally, I can't see him not either playing defense or forward at least some, at some part of the season. You guys yeah, agree? they want the ball in Jack Lakosha's hands yeah. given his boots. So whether or not he's wing or defense, I think he will still pick I up defense his throughout height, his career. He's kind of wasted on a wing, don't you? Yeah, Especially with the players that are on their just, team. Just quickly, on the premise of this question, I don't want to be offloading Jack Lacoche yeah, for exactly. almost anyone. Yeah, no, true. yeah, so exactly. Just, just don't do that for starters. Yeah, just don't offload him. And then I don't think you'll have to worry too much about him not having 
at least a forward or a back status at some, some stage for his career. Yeah, he'll pick yeah. those up. Yeah, exactly. Um, last question of the night. At Jakey the Mac, is it now Zach Smith's season? He's injured, isn't he? Five, six weeks, yeah. Five or six weeks, so probably it's, not just it's yet. Chrissy Burgess season. I, I, I purposely threw that one in there to let you talk <laughs> about Burgess. Now, is it is, speaking of saying players correctly, is it Burgess or is it Burgess Doss? Well, I like to say Burgess. Oh, no, I've noticed that all night you've been saying Burgess. <laughs> and I'm not sure if you're saying it wrong or you just no, wanted to annoy I'm, us. It's more to just emphasize <laughs> okay. his name. Almost yes, sounds French, Burgess. Probably is Burgess. Yeah. <laughs> but, Anyways. Um, Chrissy Burgess. Uh, <laughs> He's he's going to be an option for you. The thing that I um, relate to for him um, in the short term, obviously, Wits is going to come back and take that role when he's healthy or even Zach Smith, they might just want the height. Um, he, he's one of their better runners. I, I remember reading about him being a, a quality runner at the club. He's actually been just played completely out of position. So, ignore his previous averages. He was playing as a pure lockdown defender. That's not his attributes where he his strengths are. He's going to now play as a ruck forward. And I think that's where he's really going to be strong. He, he scored a 77 on the weekend, kicked a couple of goals playing forward against, you know, I mean, the Crows have got a couple of pretty strong defenders. So, he kicked a couple of goals on them, went into the ruck in the last quarter, scored 17 points in that quarter. He was playing a bit of ruck in the third too. I just, I just think he's a nice little option for the short term. I just didn't know that would turn into such a long thing about uh, Burgess. Chrissy Burgess. Yes, but anyway. We'll just cut and paste that for the next pod pod, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably, probably a good idea. Anyway, <laughs> let's wrap it up. So, uh, thank you for listening uh, for another week. Um, get around us on our social media pages uh, at Keep League Pod on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you uh, get around some remedy kombucha from their site using Keeper code, uh, Keeper sorry, coupon code. I always get that wrong. Uh, Keeper twenty. Uh, head to our website keeperleaguepod.com.au to either sign up for a membership or uh, enter the Zambrero competition to get your hands on some tasty, tasty burritos. Uh, thank you to Louis and Doss. Uh, what are your Twitter handles so people can find you guys, Dossie? Uh, at HKDoss or just at PodPodAFL for our. AFL Fantasy Classic Show. If you're uh, interested, if you've listened this far, you must love your fantasy footy. So that we're recording after this with a special guest on yeah, that one too. So. Yeah, we were a long night ahead. So yeah, just follow those two. And I'm at Louis AF on Twitter as well. All right, make sure you listen to the Pod Pod. Uh, you might hear a familiar voice on it this week, uh, considering I'm sitting in the same room as the two co-hosts. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully that episode wasn't too long and not boring. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.